Okay, we are. Give me a little cognac. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get it going. Expats on air. This is a show where expats just talk. We're here with Randy Flag up in Shanghai, right? How you doing, Randy? Affirmative. How you doing, man? Pretty good. So Randy Flag, you may know him from his YouTube channel, Black and Abroad in Asia. Randy, would you mind doing mm -hmm. a, a little intro for yourself? Um, yeah, my name is Randy Flag. I've been in China for 10 plus years, uh, married to children, and I do a YouTube channel. I've been doing that for like four years, four or five years, and I talk about um, my life in China and the events that happen in, uh, in China. Um, I guess I'm a very political person uh, recently because of things that are going on around the world. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad to meet like Nathan. So that's pretty much <laughs> who I am. All right. Well, thanks right for now, taking the time. Until the questions come. Oh yeah, sorry. Thank, thanks for taking the time to come on. I'm actually impressed the China internet has not screwed us here because I've talked to a number of expats. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, yeah I spoke too soon. <laughs> I talked yet. to a number of people. Yeah. <laughs> None of them have been in China, uh, even though they may have lived in China before. So this is like a yeah. A real you had test. Um, Benny, uh, what was his name? Donnie. Uh, Donnie. Donnie. I was I was looking at his videos. Uh, there was one that he did where he was like um, applying for a school, like pretend applying, and he was saying all of these things to this woman that if he was in a real interview, like a legitimate interview, like in the United States, they would have been like. They would have checked him off in the first sentence, but he was just being very sarcastic. It was it was hilarious. It was hilarious. So yeah, I watched Donnie. Awesome. Donnie does. Right, so you mentioned you've been never doing got video. To speak. Oh, sorry, there's a little delay, and I cut you it's off okay. there. So you have been doing videos for about four years. Have you lived in China four years? How long have you been over there? No, I've been here for uh, a long time since two about 2005, 2006, around this time 2006 i would say okay you got me beat because i moved over so, there in 2008 and then left this year so i did 12 years yeah, so over it's, there it's been a it's been a while it's been a while were you in shanghai the whole time uh no i was in dalian i was in shenyang i think i was in shenyang for like a year and then uh dalian for a year and then i moved uh to shanghai because up there it's just too cold man you can't do anything it's just, it's, it's just cold, and I'm from New York. Um, the reason why I wanted to get out of New York is because I don't like the cold weather, even though that is my hometown. I love it, but I like um, just moderate weather, or like what Shanghai has to offer. Yeah, it gets not a little cold. Though. It gets a little cold, but not like New York cold. It doesn't have that biting, well, that biting today wind. Today is New York cold, but... 
<laughs> for for some reason, like 2020s, this it had to go off in a, the worst way possible. It's like minus seven degrees Celsius here right now. It's just ridiculous. So. Yeah, I'm in Texas and it's actually kind of cold here. It's New Year's Eve here. I don't know if you can hear the Texas. fireworks going off. Thank yeah. you for holding it up. Thank you for holding it up. Thank you for holding America down. Serious, man. Like New York sold out. But Are you talking of course about? they they they've been there all the time. But thank I thank Texas for holding it down, yo. And what do you mean by holding it down? Being pro-Trump, like you know, like they try to they tried to move from all them people try to move from California to Texas to try to change the election. And Texas they, is like we ain't having that. They're moving in. <laughs> they're moving in in a major way, man. I'm doing some some work with a landscaper, like doing some marketing work for them, and uh, they mm-hmm. they're doing all these like nice houses where all these Californians are moving in like million dollar houses out in the Texas Get them out. Kick them out. Kick them out. Kick them out. Kick them out. I'm serious, man. I'm serious. Like kick them out. All right. If, all right. You know, it's just ridiculous. They turned uh, California to crap. Now they want to go and turn Texas into crap. So it's like whatever. And I'm not a Texas native, but my wife is from here. So I feel I feel like I married in, you know, I came over. Oh, uh, you got, <laughs> you know, I got a I got an anchor baby. Over here in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So, Definitely. so black abroad in Asia. Obviously, you're black, and mm-hmm. you're abroad. So, why isn't mm-hmm. it just Randy Flag in Asia? Why Why did you make it black abroad <laughs> in Asia? Um. First, I had to stick to the moniker because um, because it's a niche, and on YouTube, like you have to stand out. So that was one of the reasons. It's like the black experience in Asia and stuff. Uh, another reason is that like back in the days when people were talking about China and people did videos and wrote books, including a guy named Peter Hessler. I don't know if you remember him. He wrote something called Rivertown. Yeah, I know him. Right? This is back in the days. And he was given the experience of like an American in China. But like if you speak to Chinese people, you speak to Asian people, you speak um, to people that are in Asia in general back in the days, not now. Whenever they spoke about it, the default was just like, oh, everyone that's going to Asia is white. Or everyone that's going to Asia. I didn't want to make it about race, but, you know, look, listen, if I come to China, like in 2002 or something, 2003, somewhere around this, what, what if I came at that time, Right. I remember in 2006, like, I went to the airport, and, like, we had to stop over at Narita, which is in Japan, and then nobody was looking at me. This was Japan. It's like, nobody cared about who I was. Once I transferred to Beijing, because I had to, to take a um, a layover, layover to Beijing, then that goes to Shenyang, and in Shenyang, you, um, then that's it, right? You take the train from Beijing to Shenyang. Once I got to to Beijing, like everybody was staring at me, and it was just like, and you had other people that were there, like other foreigners that were white, like nobody was staring at them. Everybody was staring at me, pointing at me. And so when people did like documentaries and stuff like that about being in China, they never gave you the experience. Well, what if you you're not the typical like. Um, white American 
because you know uh, a white American is like basically like seventy something percent of the population in the United States, right? So um, I just thought that I needed to. Th there will be some people that want to leave the United States that are not only white. That there's other people, including like black Hispanics, there's black people that want to leave the United States and go to other places. It's not the same as a white person. No offense. It's just not the same. Like you get treated differently. And yeah. I have very various examples of how I got treated differently. So early on, that's what I did. You know, I was like, it's black and abroad in Asia. Or uh, I think I was like, at that time, it wasn't, I didn't put a black moniker on there. It was just like loser Lao Wai in China or something. That was my first. <laughs> loser Lao Wai? Yeah, it was loser Lao Wai in China, man. That was just like, because I figured that, because I was a teacher. And um, I was, you know, the first days of YouTube that I was doing this, it was just like antics, you know, funny stuff. China ratchet. It was stuff was going ratchet, you know. Yeah. And so I was just like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna say I'm a loser anyway. So it's just like the it's like the 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 Eminem, what Eminem does, what Eminem did, he doesn't do it now. But what he did was like he was like, I'm in a foreign land, I'm in hip hop, and I'm white. The first thing that they're gonna say that they're going to pick on is that I'm, I'm a white person. So I have to, um, I have to create like a kind of buffer and say, listen, you're already going to say I'm white. Oh yes, I'm white. And I'm doing, uh, you know, making fun of myself. And then as I make fun of myself, I'm spitting serious knowledge. I'm spitting stuff in your ear and that's the only way you're going to listen. So, um, Basically, that's why I put the loser a lot. Why I didn't consider myself a loser, but um, if you, I guess if you're like a, a black dude and you teaching in China, and it's just like they're gonna say, if you're anybody you teaching in China, why are you teaching in China? You don't have there's no skills when you after you teach in China, what are you gonna do when you get back home? You're a loser, that's it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna own it. All right, I'm a loser, you can call me a loser, but at the same time. I'm going to be hitting you with facts and knowledge. And perhaps one day you can change your mind. You know, so it was just kind of like a, a, a facade. It was a cloud to say, yo, I'm a loser. Okay. <laughs> and then you know, just to, to give context to the to anybody watching or listening, mm. if you don't know what a Lao Wai is, Lao Wai is, a, is the term in Chinese for foreigner pretty much. It's like a colloquial term for foreigner. Right, so it's like a, a outside loser, a loser outside, you know. Yeah, and then yeah, then and there's also uh, the the loser back home stereotype, the expat that goes to China who is a loser in America or Europe or or South America, wherever but, you know. And then they're well now they call to be it the man. Um, now they is a different name. They call him uh, Tim Boudon. Oh, Tim's, yeah, yeah, Tim. Yeah, like Tim Boudon, or uh, this like uh, I guess it's like a play on Ting Boudon, which is. I don't understand. Yeah, so Chinese right. Ting Budong, I don't understand, but this is like a guy named Tim, last name Budong, sounds like Ting Budong. So. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of those kind of China expat colloquialisms that exist these days, like Lao loser, like Lao Wai loser, that kind of thing. Well, anyways, uh, you're black, you're in China. When you were up there in Beijing, did you hear like people murmuring like, "Whoa, can't can't you go to go here and all?" Oh, it was just, like something like, um, 
whoa, hey, hey, way, you know, like, hey, way, this is a, yeah, sometimes they would say, hey, way, they like, drop the hey, way, they don't you. say that anymore now, but before they say, oh, hey, way, or the kid will run up and go like this and touch, oh, his really, skin. oh, yeah, That's gross. Just, so, yeah, so that you know, it was, it was different, like, you know, can I touch your hair? Um, can I take a photo with you? And you would think that this is something like some people, some idiots think that, oh, when someone wants to take a picture, that I'm like a superstar. No, it's like you're a zoo animal. Can, yeah, can I, I take a picture with the monkey? Can I take a picture with the elephant? People say, oh, why are you complaining? It's like you, you're so popular. You even have black people that do that. They say, why are you complaining? It's like, you, no, you're not human. Yeah, okay, they don't respect you. <laughs> Right, you're you're not um, um, Andy Lau, which is you know one uh, a very great actor where they where they're screaming, and go, oh my god, oh my no, it's not that. It's there's a difference between Andy Lau and then going to the Shanghai Zoo. Yeah, you're this moment of amusement for them that they're gonna show all their friends and giggle about or something. Exactly, and take a photo of you and put it on Wei Shin, and then you become a meme. I was a meme for a couple of times you know. oh, yeah. I was a meme for yeah they took my I think I added somebody and then they stole my photos and then they it was like a temporary meme uh, a disparaging meme Chinese person or was this a foreigner who did it was a Chinese per- it was a Chinese person yeah. okay because there's a lot yeah. of those trolls on WeChat and those, some of those group chats do you know about China Circle Jerk back in the day yo Circle Jerk that's the re- um, 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 what do you call it um Reddit, Reddit, yeah. <laughs> they don't hold no bars, kid. Circle jerk, circle jerk too. I think they're out of existence now, but yeah. Yeah, circle know. jerk, China circle jerk, which is which was a community on Reddit of just foreigners in China who just kind of take the piss out of China, and the first one yeah, got yeah, banned. Rainy. <laughs> yeah, there all sorts of memes came out of there, and if, if you if you didn't teach in China, you probably don't really get the rainy meme. But if you if you did teach in China, especially like big classrooms, like 40 kids, you probably notice in every class that there's at least one girl named Rainy. And they always look, they have a look to them. They got those like thick frame glasses, you know, right. kind of childlike. It's like, it's Rainy. Now it's, it's Elsa. Elsa, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's like Elsa. You don't get apples anymore. Like you used to get apples a lot, but now it's like you summer. You used to get some um, girls named Swallow, as in the swallow, bird. I, I just as in the bird remember swallow. girls named, named <laughs> Cherry. Cherry, yeah, you get all the, the American stripper names for sure. Yeah, like Cherry and stuff. And, uh, oh, man. <laughs> I know well, it, man. I know it. Like, so jumping, jumping back a bit, you mentioned like being feeling like a zoo animal or something when people are treating you like this caricature and I watched I watched some of your videos and you're talking about mm. losing face in China how in the Chinese society there's this whole concept of face which you know this concept of face it exists everywhere but in China it's a bit it's got its cultural nuances but it maybe doesn't apply to somebody like you can you talk about that a bit uh yeah the concept of face like um well in that video I was trying to um explain to people that 
in China faces a big deal. It still is a big deal. They try to pretend it's not, but it is a very big deal about like keeping your your pride in front of other people, right? But the problem is is that in China that keeping face it only applies to them. So they a lot of times like Chinese people see it it only applies to them as their concept. So when they dishing out stuff to you and you're being embarrassed and your feelings are getting hurt and um, you try to like, you know, I was like, well, what about my face? Like, what about when I go to like, I went to like a Korean restaurant that was run by Chinese folks and the Korean food was good and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I'm a patron, I'm paying money. I probably pay more money than most of the people in there because I go in there like twice a week. I'm I'm dropping like 200 yuan each time. That's pretty, that's a lot, okay? So I'm going in, I'm dropping 200 yuan each time. You should be sh showing me some kind of respect. You have the person that is handing me the food or, or um, that is coming to take my order. He's like mocking what I say. So, for example, if I go in there and then, which is part of it is my fault. They say they give me a paper with no photos and it's just all Chinese. And I'm like, I recognize some things, but I want to order exactly. So any restaurant, any legitimate restaurant, when you walk in there, you have photos, you have pictures of the food. You know, you want to see what you're eating. And they give me something with all words. And I was like, and it's a, a pretty high class restaurant. Okay. And I'm just like, uh, which means, look, I can't, I don't understand. You gotta, you know, I, I see something, but I don't really understand everything. And then the guy comes to me and says, you know, it's like, you know, I'm a 40 year old guy, man. Like you can't be speaking to me like I'm a three year old. He doesn't do that with the Chinese people that are in there. Okay, with any of the Chinese folks that walk in here, he doesn't say that to them. Because if he did, uh, they would be held to pay, especially if you're coming in with their girlfriend or something and you're speaking to him like that. He knows it's very professional. But because I'm a caricature of a human being, uh, I'm, I'm not even human. I'm just uh, perhaps an avatar, right? <laughs> and... So when they see me, they don't see me as a person living and breathing and, and that is worthy of respect. It's just like something that's it's, it's a caricature. Now, on the other hand, if a Chinese person came into my business in America, I would give the same respect to that Chinese person as I give to a black or a white or anyone or a woman or whatever. Um, this is not, I don't like identity politics. I don't like this kind of stuff, but People force that stuff upon you. So I don't know that I'm black until somebody reminds me that I am. I don't know. Um, I don't walk into a place uh, knowing that I'm different until you tell me I am. And so, you know, you go into these places and you're like, we're just like everybody else. That's what I want to be treated like everybody else. I don't want special treatment. And um, so when they see me then, but you, you soon realize and you're reminded that 
you are not like everybody else. And um, so if you might take offense, if I take offense at that, you know, back in the days, I used to tell some of my friends, well, friends, these problems that I was having in China and, uh, you know, people would say, you got to get over it, you know, and I'm just like, but that's not a good, nice thing to say. And so you couldn't speak to your friends about the problems that you were having in China. You couldn't speak to them about these things because they didn't, maybe they didn't want to understand or didn't, they're not empathetic. And so that's where Lose a Lawai came in to play. And I was like, well, I have to talk to somebody. There's no therapist here. There's no one I can like really speak to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a channel where I'm just going to speak to the people and tell them how I feel. And this is going to be therapeutic for me. And that's how it came to be. You know, it was, it was just like some people may think, oh, this is about money. You're trying to get money. Not really. It was because to this day, I don't really make a lot of money off the channel. What it is, is therapeutic. So it's a and, hobby, uh, but it's even, it's even more of that. It gives you a peace of mind. Yeah, you know, it just says that you you are not crazy and that you you have all this negative stuff inside and you need to expouse it. It needs to be released. And uh, when it is released, then that's why I haven't went crazy and went postal over here because I can say, okay, I got this problem. All right, I'm going to go talk about it on YouTube. Let's see if people kind of can relate to what I'm speaking about. And a lot of people, black and white, um, begin to like they related to what I was talking about. Right. Yeah, you built a bit of a community because I look at your videos and you get a lot of comments, like very active comment section on your stuff. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it, technically, it should be more because uh, Lose a Lot while I got shut down because I was doing China Ratchet and that was just like exposing the bullshit in China <laughs> and. It was just too much. It was at that time. This was before PewDiePie. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you know PewDiePie. Yeah. Um, we have this thing called um, BPP. Okay, yeah, APP is what I call. So you have before PewDiePie and after PewDiePie. So before PewDiePie, you could do all types of like stuff, and you didn't really get in trouble for it. Like you could say your opinion. You could, you could kind of get really raunchy and and say things you wanted to, you know. And then when he did that Nazi shit, the shit with the Nazi, he did some kind of Nazi uh, parody. The Indian And guys? then all the news one? agencies and all the woke, the woke culture just got on his ass. And then YouTube just clapped down. So at that time, like, at BPP, basically, I was making like, like 1500 a month. There was one Christmas I made like, Twenty-five to three thousand dollars a month for Christmas. Uh, now, which is APP, I I'm lucky if I can make a hundred dollars a month on YouTube. So it has kind of changed. Um, yeah, there's really nothing you could do. It's just that's the way that that you have to change with the world. The world is changing. It's what so it that is. That was the. Adpocalypse 
of YouTube where oh god, a good it, portion it of the creators. <laughs> I had like thirteen thousand. Yeah, so I had thirteen thousand subscribers, and then one day they hit me with three strikes and one in a matter of like fifteen minutes, and so, so my I channel was wiped off, and it it was on the way up. It was like at its it was it was at the climax. It was like it was going up, 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 up. It was like a bull market for my channel. And then after the PewDiePie, bam, it's it's done. And then I had to start all over again. And because of the algorithms and all that other stuff, I couldn't. I never could get back to where I was. So I work in marketing, and this was a really big mm. deal when it happened in, in my industry because it was all these big brands and big media companies that are like, we don't feel it's safe for brands on YouTube because yeah. PewDiePie yeah, Burger, is making... Burger King, yeah. a company like Burger King and McDonald's, companies that fatten you up and give you all this kind of shit to put in your body, that's okay. Um, but me talking about something like kind of controversial that does no physical harm to you, <laughs> it's, it's it's evil, you know. So, yeah, I saw a yeah. tweet. It, it was a good tweet. It was something about how YouTube isn't concerned about making money. They're just concerned about kind of holding on to their power. Like they're the dominant video platform. They don't want competitors, and they're gonna censor right. you. They're gonna prop up mainstream media. They're gonna put down the small channels, and they're and you're just gonna have to accept it. Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing you can do it, and you can't fight it because um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure if you know, if you sign up to any news service, they ask you if you want to sign up with a Google account. So it's either you sign up with Google or Facebook. Now, I had something called Podbean, right? Yep. And where I put my podcast in. And I, I signed up with Google. And I know my Google password. And I know my email. And I know my password. Now, when I go to log in to Podbean, and I don't just press Google. I signed up with Google, but what I want to do is I want to sign up by just inputting my stuff. Like my email is is whatever, whatever, whatever at Gmail, and then my password is the same one I put in Google. They won't allow it. So if you try to to um, to log in with the same login you put into Google, they won't allow it. You have to press the 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 Google button. The Google button to be allowed to get in. And so what happens is if if you offend Google and YouTube and then they they decide just to destroy your account. All the things that were affiliated with that account is now destroyed. It's done. Your whole life is done. So they have a monopoly on on uh, on speech, on freedom of what you want to say, on your ideas, you know. Yeah, it's don't don't you dare challenge the narrative, or your your, your <laughs> channel gets banned. You know it's insane what's exactly. going on these days. I got uh, I got a strike the other day. Which video? Um, it was some guy called R. Benelli. He was like a um, he's a attorney, and he had an opening statement in the Senate, and he said the the election was a fraud, and he was giving all types of evidence. That's all. It was an opening statement to the Senate. Now, if you go on the website of the of the Senate, of Congress, of the U.S.gov, his opening statement is on it. All I did is put it on YouTube. They said it's inappropriate. It's obscene. 
I didn't make any comments. I just put his opening statement on there. They gave me a strike for that. So you you've been <laughs> posting a lot about politics, especially with the election, you know, happening not too long ago. Are and you yeah. are your fans reacting to that in a negative People way, positive me. way? Yeah. I lost a lot. I lost a lot of friends. Uh basically all my university friends. They all um because I went to a very liberal college. I went to uh, SUNY Purchase, which is, uh, I think it's like 40% homosexuals, which I didn't know at the time. I don't <laughs> mind someone is homosexual, but I went there because it was my dream to go to this school. So I got accepted there, and it's a very, very liberal college. And so most of my Facebook friends, you would know that, are, are from that university. So when I decided to like back Trump and I put up stuff about Donald Trump, uh, God, I threatened to kill me, threatened to hurt me, uh, talk about my children, talk about my wife, talk about the fact that I'm in China. Like, And so, you know, these days we're talking about China. They're saying, how can you talk about, um, you know, socialism or, or these things that are happening in the American landscape when you live in China? And that is their argument to me. And I'm like, listen, two things can be right at the same time. You know, uh, one is that I don't like socialism. Socialism is not right for America. Okay? It's just not. It's not right. It hasn't worked for the black community. And then another thing can be right is that um, communism and, like, socialist policies work for China. And I live in China, and for Chinese, it works right. And I'm in China, and for those certain of those aspects, it works right. But if I was in America, it won't work because the United States system, the American system, wasn't built on socialism, okay? Um, the Chinese system, on the other hand, was always built on totalitarianism and and kind of socialist-like, communist-like instances. They were always doing this. You always had a warlord. You always had, like, a dictator over them. So it works for them, right? So me being in China, um, for for the Chinese system, it works. For American system, it would throw it into upheaval. It, it just doesn't work. You know, so, like, two things can can be right at the same time. Yes, I'm in China. Yes, I like um, Chinese culture. Yes, I like living here. But I do not like. I do not favor America becoming like China. When you because they're incompatible. When you moved to China, did you become more patriotic mm-hmm. as an American? Um, within the, uh, I would say, I voted for Barack Obama. I voted for Obama in two thousand eight. Um, I voted for him. I didn't vote for t- in 2012. I did, didn't vote. I voted in 2008. I cried when he became president. Um, but I think like around like 2014 or something like this, you know, when, when China started pushing hard on America and then Obama wasn't doing anything that's when I became like kind of um, 
patriotic when you had like American companies trying to survive here and then they were saying like yo you have to be um, 51% got to be owned by Chinese like 49% got to be owned by whatever Western power whatever right and I was like how is that right so then you had companies going to Chinese companies going to America and making bank and they didn't have to do the same thing and I was like well, how is that right? How can like how can I be an entrepreneur here? What if I wanted to be an entrepreneur? And um, there was a there was a guy who 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 wrote a a story, an article that just changed. It just blew me away. Ah, I forgot his name, but he was the editor of Time Out Beijing. I don't know if you if you knew that. I don't. Oh, that. that's Beijing. Sorry, that's oh, Beijing. That. Same difference. Yes, yeah, so, right. So he was like, I think his name was Michael Ditko, and he had created this enterprise from nothing in America. I mean, sorry, in China. And he had a partner that owned 51%, right? They took everything away from him, and they left him with nothing because they had the power to do that. He basically had to go back to the UK with his tail between his legs. And I was like, how, how can you allow this to happen? And so I'm seeing like, I don't hate Chinese. I don't have any hatred towards them. I'm, I'm just saying I want um, uh, reciprocity, right? So if you're being successful in my, in, in my country, then others, it doesn't have to be me, but other people that are like me, like Americans and Westerners, should also um, be successful in your country by the same means. And so I didn't see that happening. I was like, yo, this is this is insane. You know? Um, yeah, it's like all those social media yeah. platforms that are banned in China. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, right, yeah. YouTube. Every single one of them. Right. And then when Trump starts talking about banning TikTok, the Chinese government starts saying... We need an equal playing field. We need equal access to information. And there's this no, is racist. No self-awareness of what they've blocked in, like, what, 2006, 2007 is when they started blocking all that stuff? Yeah, and, you know, on my channel, I try to explain these things, and I've lost a lot of subscribers because of that. I'm like, listen, China's banning, like, 10,000 Western sites, and then you have these other companies that are allowed to operate with like with impunity like in in america that are chinese companies i'm not racist against chinese i just ask for reciprocity if you're doing this is supposed to be equal exchange i'm supposed to be buying into this thing of globalization so what globalization is is like it's equal equal receive equal given right i give you a dollar you give me a dollar worth of goods it's not i give you like $10 and then you give me um, $10 worth of poisonous dog food. And then you don't get, no one gets punished off of that. Or like when when Huawei right now is stealing the uh, the licenses of of, uh, of QR technology, which that was founded by an American, if you don't know. The QR that you use in, in all these things, that's founded by an American. So they're stealing all of these kind of things and they're prospering off of that and then you're not doing anything. And I'm like, Obama, why aren't you doing anything? You have a brother who lives in China. Like, like, don't you care? 
you've noticed his brother like dropped off the chart, right? He never talked about his brother, and I think it's because him and his brother don't agree. His brother's like, "Yo, you, I like China, but you gotta, China's eating our lunch, right?" He got a is brother that, that lived down in Guangzhou. I don't know if is he it still Malik Obama? does, but um, Barack Obama has a brother. I have his name Malik, M A L I K L I K. I don't even know his name to tell you the truth. There's a guy but, on Twitter who claims to be Obama's brother, and I, I think it might be that brother? guy. <laughs> yeah. And so you see this, this, these things shifting, and then you, you see a power shift and technology shift. And what I see is that a, a China is destroying American technology. Like, I haven't touched paper money in, in like three years. So you you've been there a long time. You were there in the the heydays of Hu Jintao's reign in China, and then mm-hmm. you saw the transition over to Xi Jinping and how that's all changed. So what what's your impression of the kind of before and after? Uh, I think like America was sent on a mission to try to contain China, and they kind of failed. Um, maybe because of corporate greed. You know, corporations want to come here. They can make a quick buck. They can make things cheaper. They can get tons and tons of money. Uh, they don't really care about the political side of it as long as they make money. But China, excuse me, won't let them get take their money out. Uh, I think they just got more powerful. You know, you when talk I came about- here... Sorry, it on. was it was more open before when I first came. Now it's more like closed. Now more things are blocked. So America was supposed to open up China. What happens is is that it's it's the butthole is puckered, it's puckered <laughs> shut. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, uh, why don't we bring the NBA to China? We'll bring our American cars, McDonald's, KFC, and we'll just liberalize China. And what happens is they just take our things that they like. You know, McDonald's is really well there. They're going to and... put y'all back in chains. They're going to put y'all <laughs> back in chains. Okay? They're going to put y'all back in chains. But this you, this you kind gotta... of this free market push, this free market thing didn't work out. They thought the free market would liberalize China. It, the total opposite happened. It's become more authoritarian. Yeah. I and mean, more rich. Uh, America... America is poorer now because of uh, look how much money we got to give away. I, you know, I want the two thousand. If you're gonna, if you're giving away two thousand, give it to me. But why did that happen? Why is all this money, you know, is given away to people? It's turned into like a welfare state. If you, I'm like this. If you want to give me two thousand, you, I'm, I'll take it. If you want to give me six hundred, I'll take that too. If you don't want to give me nothing, I'll take that too. You know, and so right now what's happening is is uh look, there's a we have we're being bankrupted. <laughs> you know, we're being we're being bankrupt. China didn't give any kind of stimulus package. <laughs> I think they the sent people. a few masks to people. Oh. I think that was a stimulus. <laughs> Was it sent or what? Did, did we buy them? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah, because you know? they you get taxed in China a bit differently. 
But since Trump came in, like, so when Trump came in, it was just like, and people don't like when I talk about Trump. They, they hate it on my channel, but I still keep doing it. And I was like, even if I got 10 subscribers left, I need to talk about what I believe in and I need to be on the right side of history. And, you know, the things that are happening is, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, it's hard to fathom that we would be here uh, in this age. So when Trump came in and then he shut down the Chengdu embassy, I was like, no, he shut down the, um, the Houston embassy. And I was like, he ain't playing. <laughs> you in Texas, so you know what's up. He's like, he ain't playing. He, he shut that down in like a week. He was like, done, shut down. And then what China does is that they they kind of reactionary. So they shut down the Chengdu embassy and Trump was like, I don't care. <laughs> you want to shut down another one? You know, so I was like, finally someone who's fighting for. So I voted for Trump because I wanted um, because of his stance on China. You know, I like I said, two things can be right at the same time. Like I. There's aspects I love about China, um, but then you have a deep-rooted kind of, uh, I guess, patriotism, and I love my country. You know, Chinese love their country too. Yeah. And the, you have Chinese that love their country, and they're abroad. They're in the United States, you know, uh, and they have the Chinese flag, and they're waving it. A person like me, I love America, but I notice its flaws. I would never raise a flag in American flag in China because I will be lynched. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might get one of these. You might get one of these. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's just like whatever, man. Like, so when you talk about Chinese controversial issues on YouTube, do you get the the Chinese trolls, like the paid ten Not cent really. army or fifty cent army? No, because I'm black. They don't care what I'm. I'm like, <laughs> excuse my language, but I'm just the N word. So it's just like uh, we don't care about what he thinks. So what we're gonna do is we're not gonna comment. We're gonna send like bots. So what they do is they just send bots so that my videos won't be seen. Like downvotes, you know, so, that kind of thing. Like yesterday, I was speaking about something about China. And um, it was kind of a bit, it was, was kind of critical. And then all of a sudden, I started getting these comments of emojis of love. And then when you click on the, the avatar, when you go to their channel, what you see is a whole bunch of like um, Asian sex sites or stuff like this. So you know it's coming from Asia, right? And so you get attacked from the 50 cent army. You don't get a personal message from them, from them because I'm not important enough. Because, you know, what many Chinese people believe is that, you know, nobody care what the Negro got to say, right? Um, now, if you got a person like Sapenza, when he says something, they're gonna, he's going to get personal responses. He's not going to get bots and all this stuff because he has a dedicated following. So right? this is Serpent Zia, South African white dude who doesn't right. live in China anymore, right? right? Yeah. Right. But he was and like so the biggest they... the biggest YouTuber in China, you could say, for a while. Right. 
And so when he says something, they kind of like take it personally because he, regardless if they say anything or not, he's getting like 500,000 views for that video, right? And so they will attack him, and that's why he had to leave China. You know, it, it is a, it's, it's a kind of a posh Englishman saying something or South African saying something about China, like criticizing Chinese. That's the face. Like, we can't have this guy talking about us like that. We, we've got to get at him. If it is somebody like me. It's like some, you know, from, to them, I'm, I'm a hayran. I don't have any power. Right. So uh, it really doesn't. They just send the bots. And so that's how I've been suppressed can for you, most of this, this time. Can you explain what that 50 Cent Army is? I think people probably listening don't know what uh, we're The Wu Mao? Yeah. Oh, 50 Cent Army, which now the West uses it too, but the 50 Cent Army is uh, a group of like cyber militia that the Chinese government pays to um, like kind of harass you and send like these kind of cyber attacks against your your channel if you have something to say that's that's not that doesn't coincide with or doesn't go along with the narrative or the party line so uh, they got something called Renro Shishua. I think I'm not I don't know if I'm saying it right but it's called the human flesh flesh search engine so anybody can be found in China if you say something crazy so this is what you would call the cancel culture in America so th all the stuff that America's doing now like I've been in China they've been they've been doing that already okay so the, the Wu Mao army is like part of the cancel culture militia if you say something wrong that's why people are afraid to say stuff and talk in China because what they do is they find out where your wife works they find out where you work um, you know I had one friend they he was saying something crazy he's already kicked out um, but they threw like crap at his door like a bag of shit Jeez. they threw it at his door you know, you know uh, what, uh, throwing like of... feces at his door they found out where he lives at uh, they found out where his wife works. They found out where his children go to school. And what they do is they just harass, harass, harass until you get fired, uh, until the government takes action, even though it's endorsed by the government. And then what happens is your life is ruined. And that's basically what cancel culture is right now. So if you say something crazy, they're coming after you. They're going to find everything about you. And I've been warning people like for the past five years that America's heading towards this. You have to stop it. But now it's too late. They already like subverted. So um, basically what the Wu Mao is, is what is the Twitterati. What do they call that? The, like the like the Twitter army, basically. So if you say something out of character, if you say something somebody don't like, you'll be attacked. That's it until you submit, until you apologize. And even when you apologize, uh, you will never recover from, from the apology. Like, um, for example, uh, Chris, uh, what's his name? Chris, who's the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt didn't have to say shit. 
Oh, they say, oh, he's in church and he's conservative. So now they're like, who's the best Chris? Who's the worst Chris? Uh, Chris of of um, of actors, right? So you got Chris Pine, you got Chris Pratt, you got Chris Hemsworth, right? And you got another Chris, which I forgot his name. <laughs> Chris Pratt is the worst. Why? Because he's. They think he's conservative. He never said it. That's the reason why he's still like he can still wade in the water because he's never said anything. But if you do say something, the Wu Mao is coming after you. You got the the Western Wu Mao, but um, the Wu Mao here, uh, the 50 Cent Army here is the uh, the Chinese Army. And why they call him the 50 Cent Army, which Wu Mao means 50 Cent in uh, Chinese, is for every kind of uh, comment that they put towards like trying to distill disinformation they get Wu Jiao they get a half a dollar for every comment that they put on a page that disagrees with their narrative and so that's why you call them the, the, the Wu Mao army but you know America has the same thing but I don't know if they get paid or not I think it's it's run through private industry you know but but it's very much tied into yeah. political campaigns you know somebody it's not even like who's the president or who's the senator it's like i have a campaign for being a senator i'm going to hire this kind of black ops tech team to go astroturf for me on the internet right go- well the, that black ops te- tech team is called the uh, the the fact checkers yeah <laughs> right so but who fact checks the fact checkers well, we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe over on. You know Bit, what I'm saying? You can get a BitChute channel. You can go to BitChute and yeah. do that. You know the, the thing they were talking about um um with with uh Joe Biden says they're gonna put your back in chains, and they were like, did Joe Biden really say that? And there was there was something that said it's in contention. It's either yes he said it, or no he didn't say it, because I heard him say it right. We all heard him say, they're going to put y'all back in change. You ain't black if you ain't vote for me. You go to fact checkers, they'll be like, oh, the Wu Mao, this is the, like the new definition of Wu Mao. It's like, uh, this has been disputed. Either it's yes or no. Did he say it or not? Yeah, sorry, Randy. You... This this is missing context. We need to give context exactly. to that exact phrase he said. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's like two plus two is is, is four, right? Well, it's missing context. <laughs> we don't know if two plus two is four. You know, he he was drunk when he did it. I don't. You know, it's, it's just the craziness is going. It's crazy. So, you know, I read nineteen eighty four. I read Animal Farm over and over and over again. Um, I read like Fahrenheit four fifty one. Like, so I'm I'm hip to the game. So it's just like when. You got people who didn't read this, who don't understand what's going on, or they just choose to disregard. And uh, I mean, that's what it is. China is was was the blueprint. So this Wu Mao stuff that we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. it's a blueprint of what happened in, in the United States. The United States has copied that because they see how successful China has been at what China has done. China has lifted 500 million people out of poverty, some something like that, right? 
but they're also a dictatorship. You know, so it's like you you have these hypocrisy, not hypocrisies, contradictory things happening at the same time. Because in a dictatorship, you're not. We were taught you you can't be successful in a, a dictatorship. A dictatorship cannot be successful. East Germany, you know, Russia, you know, um, Vietnam. You know what I mean? Vietnam is still living in craziness. But here we have a system that China has managed to put together that you have pe- the people are successful, at least there's a veneer of success. Um, and there's still people, there's is, is still a government that's dictating, that is, has an iron fist, you know. And what, when we were brought up, we were like, that can't happen. So here you have like a, it's the contradictory opinions. So when you say two plus two, it's like, well, that's in dispute that it's four. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, so to, to take a step back, we talked a lot about China. You told me you lived in yeah. China for a long time, but you've lived in another foreign country, right? Where was that? Japan. Yeah, I lived in Japan for like a year and a half. All right. That brings me um, to the big announcement. We'll get into Japan in a second, but I just wanted to mm-hmm. share this. Ooh, what's that mean? It means you got two Mr. Worldwides. So this is part of the show format. Everybody who comes on has to have at least one Mr. Worldwide, and that means you lived in at least one foreign country. So you got ah. two, so you get two Mr. Worldwides. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. So yeah, I was in Japan. Um, Japan's a lot different. Is it's different from China. What were you doing over there? I, you know, basically the same thing. Just teaching. I went over there first. It was after Peace Corps, and uh, it it was different. It's a, it's a good place to live. Like, but it's it's harder to live there. It's harder in, to live because it's more were, westernized. Were you in Tokyo? Yeah, it's it was harder to live. So, Which years? And everything was like super expensive. It was like one and a half years. Was this like two thousand four? Even less than that, like maybe a year and like two months or something. But it was like um, it was kind of like America where you you would get money, and then. You have just enough at the end of the month to survive, and then you you're working like really hard. Um, but the culture was very rich, uh, and like there was racism, but it's not like open. It's not like it's different from China's like kind of racism. Like um, I did not know I was black as much. I think it was like they were more accepting of me, which was was good. And I didn't have to to always think I'm black, this and that. I could I can actually think I am a citizen. Um, and the reason why I guess I chose Asia is because the crime is very low. Like it's virtually no crime. I came from a, a crime infested Bronx, South Bronx. So I was brought up in Harlem in the South Bronx and it was just crime, crime everywhere. You know, I was in a, a 
90s went to school you know an 80s crack epidemic so when i came to like like japan and china is is the good thing is that the crime is very low at least against foreigners there was only one crime that i knew of in japan and that was the murder of this by a killer of this uh this female and she got murdered by some like serial killer psycho guy but other than that like there's virtually no crime and that's how i fell in love and i just like kind of stayed here because i feel safe and you're married to a chinese woman now what's what's that like being married to a chinese woman that was the best decision i ever made in my life so it's kind of what when when um I think it was James Madison. He was like, separate church from state. Um, in China, you separate kind of people from government. So it's just like, she's, she kind of is not representative of the government because they keep her in the dark. So she don't know really nothing about what's going on about whatever. She's just a kind woman. Uh, she gave me two very beautiful children um she's very intelligent uh she can understand what i'm going through sometimes but there's some things i can't like talk to her about that's why i had to make the youtube channel so um in in the positive aspect she's very kind and she's understanding more understanding than any american woman so like you know you got the the hyper feminism in the united states now here you don't have that you kind of have the the roots of the of the traditional woman you know uh at least the woman that listens and, and doesn't say i got rights you know like this we know you got rights you you don't have to scream it in my ear you know it's like uh if she wants to change my mind it's she can do it subtly Instead of saying, I'm a woman, I'm, you know, I do this, I should have this and that and this and that and this. It's nice to, you know, uh, when we were, we first got married, I come home from work and then she just have some, all this meal cooked for me. And she's working too, you know, so it's just like, um, so being married to a, like a Chinese woman is, I think it's like one of the best decisions because she allows me to make decisions and it's not a constant argument um and she keeps fit you know uh i don't know if you've, you have you 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 oh so who are you, who are you married to you have married to i'm married, married to, to an american white lady uh from okay. austin texas where i live right now but we actually met right, in let China. Me let me shut we up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Nothing against nothing against Texas girls, man. She's a nice. She's a very nice lady as well. A very good mother as well. Um, yeah, that's that. That's the main part. It's like, so she's a. My wife is a great mother. Now I've met a lot you of know. foreigners in China who married to Chinese women, and their wives sound nothing like yours. You sound like you have a very nice wife. I've met a lot of guys. I was lucky, yeah. A lot of guys who don't even get to keep their money. Well, they not like they 
can't, but their wife will basically leave them unless they hand over all their money and let the wife manage the money, and the wife gives uh, them an no. allowance every week. Yeah, that. I mean, that's. I have a choice of doing that. Like, um. So when I make money, I usually give her half or more. And that was trained into me because before that, I didn't know how to save money. So I would just like, because, you know, like a lot of Americans not trained. We're not trained to save money. We're trained to consume. So I would just give my paycheck and then I would burn a hole through my pocket. And then she kind of had to guilt trip me into that. So that she did nag me about that. That's true. <laughs> that we when you make money you got to give half but i'm okay with it because i was never good at saving you know and and i got two children so uh and i trust my wife enough uh cuz we never we we're not going to get divorced like it's just you kind of know if you if you're in some kind of relationship you kind of know that that's never going to happen so we're not going to get divorced or anything. She got half the money or whatever. Um, if we were to buy a house, I think she would let me put my name on it. Like, she wouldn't put her name. Like, if I argued for the fact. So, she's she's rare in that. The, you got other women that would just... My, my name has to be on the house. Right? Yeah, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> um, and that that will get you caught up. Because if you marry one of them, like uh, the gold digger with this, you know, a lot of these men, uh, especially like it's different from black men to white men. I want to and I want to like emphasize that, like for white men in general, when they come to China, it's kind of easier for them to get women. And what happens is many of them will go for like when they first come to China, they go for the first beautiful girl that, that will hook them, you know? So yeah. the girl, that, that was back in the days, not today. It's different today. But back in the days, you know, the white guy married this girl. He get hooked, right? Because she came to him and she, in America, you don't really get uh, girls so thirsty like that, like, you know, so in China, you got some girls that just, yo, I need to get hooked before, back in the days, not now. And so they get hooked with the girl, and then the guy's the breadwinner, uh, and then he got to pay half, of, he got to pay all of everything. He got to give her everything. She take care of the kids, um, and then they buy a house, and then she convinces him to put the house in her name, and then he'll go and mess around with some chick or something like that, or just some disagreement it doesn't have to be him he's wrong it could be some disagreement she divorced she get everything he don't get anything because you're in china you know and so they didn't play the okie doke they got you on the okie doke now um with 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 a black guy back in the days not now it was different okay so, but back in the days, you you know, if if a girl wanted a, some black guy had to be for some other reason other than money, okay, or other than um, an infatuation with um, that he's 
black or a foreigner or something. It had to be some other reason. And so when they got together, I don't know if you 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 can go and check if you can check the statistics. Like the black and Chinese, they tend to stay together longer. That's you know, um, because not a lot of girls was hitting on black guys like that because it was it was not traditional. It was not it was not moving up. If you married a black guy, it's moving down. So if you, you know, if a Chinese guy married a black guy, it had to be for something else. You know, and for me, for my wife, it wasn't because I was handsome. Okay, um, it wasn't because of money. Uh, it was because she didn't want her children to go through the Chinese education system. She wanted them. She didn't. She wanted them to have uh, a Western education. You know, and then she didn't want me to be available to other Chinese women. So when she married me, she was just like, well. He's black. He's not going to get a lot of girls coming after him like that. It's safer to marry him. So, you know, that's the difference, should I say. <laughs> I know it's long-winded. Though. No, that's very interesting. Um, we've been talking for about an hour and five minutes. I know you got to yeah. run. Are you, do you got to go now, or can you stay on for a few uh, more? We can do like ten more minutes. You got like one or two more questions, or you want to say something? Cool. No, I just wanted to keep chatting. I thought this was going well. All right. So jumping from being married, having a wife, I watched some of your videos. You made these videos about like hot Chinese girls on the internet mm. in China and you kind of make fun of a lot of them. What's what, what is that video format about that which, you do? Which one was that? Which one? There are a couple that? videos. I was watching videos from like the past year and there was some from maybe about a year ago where it was like, these hot hot Chinese girls on like Douyin or TikTok or other Chinese video platforms, and you're kind of making fun. Oh of yeah, it's it's because um, yeah, I make fun of that because it's like, I mean, America has it too, where you have these like really beautiful girls, and they don't know anything but beauty. Like they're dead inside. You know. Uh, you try to you can try to talk to them or take take them out to somewhere or they just they're dead inside it's just only about i'm beautiful look at me um look at this position i can do online like doyen was the worst thing to happen to china freaking <laughs> um twitter was the worst thing to happen to america like you know, so just like you got these people on Twitter that you can make fun of them because they just now that they got a voice. Right. You give them a platform and they'll they'll do and say any shit. Uh, there was something, for example, that's not wholly Chinese. Uh, what's his name? Alec Baldwin, his wife. I don't know if you know his wife, but she pretended to be Spanish. She was speaking all in her Spanish uh, she was pr pretending with a Spanish dialect, right? And then one video, the people call her lying. And so she's speaking totally like in the American accent. 
and then we find that it was all an act and basically she was just getting by off her looks so i was just making fun about like women in general because i'm in china so that's what's available here so when i see that it's like these women that kind of just they don't really have anything to offer except beauty it's like a robot npc it's right? you, it's like no emotion no nothing it's just like if it's about cosmetics and beauty and like some korean drama oh i'm in but if it's if it's about like uh something more deep like what is beyond earth what is beyond life and death what do you get out of life it's like they turn off or they get a headache it's like oh it's too much thinking so it's like the the npc meme the non-player characters people who act like yeah (laughs) yeah the npc video so basically they're they're like all npc like you cannot you try to say something else it's like it does not compute uh it's just basically like playing with a it's just like a sex doll but you ain't having sex with it All right, so you talked about Douyin being the worst thing that happened to China. So Douyin is the TikTok of China. It's it's the original oh, God, app that Jesus. TikTok became essentially. So you've yeah. been there a long time. You moved over during the QQ days. What is mm-hmm. how has Chinese social media changed since you've been there? Um, to tell you the truth, like Chinese social media is more open than American media. Like that's and that's scary. In what way? Uh, a lot of stuff has just been basically all it is is that you you they see something American like Twitter and then basically what happens is oh Twitter how about we have a Twitter a Chinese Twitter and let's call it Weibo and then let's block Twitter <laughs> you, you know what I mean so how about we have something like a, a, a Facebook just for Chinese and then let's block uh, Facebook and then let's just say let's just give an excuse you know um, same thing with YouTube like let's just block just copy everything from YouTube so it's like everything that America does what China does is make it Chinese and then block the American part and then block the American import to the Chinese audience if you were to let YouTube flourish and Twitter flourish within the Chinese border, there would not be any of this kind of like Weibo and all this other stuff. Yeah. And I, I think that just comes from the, uh, what do you call that? Like the opium wars, I guess, like where you, you had like foreigners coming into China and then just locking everything down. And they kind of like they don't want that to happen again. So what they do is they keep you at bay. You're a necessary evil. We like this technology. Uh, we'll borrow it, mimic it. Um, if we can't do that, we're gonna send a student abroad. He gonna pay the full fare. <laughs> he gonna take the technology, bring it back. Then we are gonna block that technology and say, "What are you talking about?" So. Like basically, that's just what's happening. Like, like now, so they got a foolproof plan, and it works very well because uh, America is too chicken shit to do anything about it. 
So all these things that you see, that like the Chinese social media, um, a lot of it is based off of American ingenuity. Yeah, even the old one before WeChat, Tencent had an app called QQ, and that was ripped off of ICQ, the old '90s. Yeah, chat app. basically, yeah, QQ was uh, that's Robin Lee or something. QQ, but yeah, that's that basically, yeah, that was. Uh, I was using that ICQ. You had uh, Yahoo Messenger back in the days. MSN so, Messenger. <laughs> yeah, when you came into China, you got confused because you're like. This is not ICQ. QQQ QQ is not ICQ. And so, you know, you you got a lot of intellectual properties getting taken like uh, like Jiao Dan. Oh, like the Jordan, Jordan sneakers. Ripoff? He what Yeah, he's you know, he's a dickhead, but he does have a brand. And basically they ripped off his brand and said, "Oh, we're going to sell sneakers like this." And they did not get really, there's no repercussions, so they keep doing it. And I think that it will still keep going on because they make it too much money here anyway. So that's Chow Don, and that's the Chinese name for Jordan as yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah, so They just Chow made Dan. a brand so, called Chow Don. Had the, had the little silhouette of what looks like Michael Jordan dunking or something, right? And it exactly. has nothing to do with and Michael he, Jordan. He sued him. Took him. It took him 10 years just to get anything. Like, this is... This is uh, obviously they stole it, right? Like, why does it take ten years? You, you can't bring it to some kind of tribunal, the WTO. Uh, WTO is is bought and paid for. Uh, WHO is bought and paid for. Uh, Africa is bought and paid for. Like China is the future right now. There's nothing you really could do. It's just like you. I just sit and I'm glad I'm I'm along for the ride that I was smart enough uh, to know of that America's greed would not let them win. You know, that that um, people like uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, James Madison, they're turning over in their grave right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what the hell has happened to... To the uh, you know uh, the American Constitution, you know. Well, jumping back what to to being black yeah. in China, we we're talking about Jordan. Mm-hmm. NBA is really huge in China. Um, was most of the NBA? Was, well, yeah, it was, <laughs> but people still love the NBA, and most of the NBA is black. Would you say there's a difference in how like NBA black athletes are treated versus the average black guy like yourself in China? In China, uh, yeah. I mean, basically, look at Kobe Bryant. So, like, it, you know, Kobe Bryant tran- and and people like, why is it that Kobe Bryant became an icon in China and LeBron James didn't? It's because of his dark skin. This is, you know, like I don't like LeBron James. I actually detest him, but um, he. He's the man of our time right now, but he's not getting the same love as as Kobe Bryant. And that's because like Kobe Bryant's like lighter than than LeBron James. Like you could like his his aesthetic quality is more European. And so every time if you're in China and you see Chinese people, you ask Chinese who do they like, right? 
is always the white people on the team. So, like, you got the Golden State, right? And so who they like the met the best? Thompson. You know, so Thompson is the, is the white guy that shoot the, the three-pointers. What's his name? I don't know anything about basketball. Thomas or whatever. So he's <laughs> he's a white guy that shoot the, the three-pointers. Steve Kerr, like, this kind of people they like. And you're like, yo, like what about Perry. Jordan? They don't like Jordan as much as they like um, like Kobe or Thomas or even Curry because Curry is very light-skinned. So it's it has a lot to do with um, colorism. Okay, so colorism, it has a lot to do with it. And once you get to a certain level in America, you transcend blackness. So I used to get people that they used to be like this. So they used to be like, "Um, where are you from? And I used to be like, yo, I'm I'm American. They'd be like, no, that's impossible. You can't be from America. And I'm like, why? And they'd be like, because you're black. (laughs) And I'll be like, but... Michael Jordan is black, so I would take the blackest guy. I can't say Kobe, right? Because he's got a little lightness to him. So I say Michael Jordan is black, and they'll be like, "But he's different, though." <laughs> he looks Ethiopian, right? Yeah. So what what has happened is Michael Jordan has transcended identity politics. He has transcended identity. He is now. Uh, icon and so when I say what about Michael Jordan what about like Michael Jackson or something like that I don't know Um, (laughs) not the best example (laughs) you're not the best but Michael Jordan you just somebody that they they like right that is black and it's mostly going to be in sports I'd be like what about Mike Tyson oh but that's different though and I'm like how is it different and they can't tell me the reason why it's different. And I used to get that. But nowadays, you know, like I said, China has changed. So for every, like, five years, like, two years in China is, like, almost, like, eight or nine years in in America. Just so how, now how they don't change. do that. So now when, I'm, when I walk down the street, they say, oh, he's American. They don't even say Fajo anymore. They say, oh, he's American. Huh. It might be because of Black Lives Matter. I don't know. But now they just like, they just assume I'm American now. They don't ever. I haven't had that like in like two years where they're saying, oh, he's Fajo. They'll be like, unless I go to some bumfuck town. But just the regular like Shanghai, they'll be like, uh, and I'll be like, oh, where am I from? Where do you think I'm from? Say, oh, America. I'll be like, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so something con- must have happened. Like they they learn quick. They learn quick. So it's not like America where the racism is ingrained within society. Like where the country was kind of almost built on racism or something. Yeah. And then for context so, for the for the listeners, Fajo is the Chinese word for Africa. And there's a lot of Africans in China, so easy mistake to well, make if, used if you to, see a used black to be. guy. <laughs> used to be before they kick kick them all out. So when was that? Was that like was that like last year? Yeah, they kick all they kicked the, many of the Africans out because of COVID. They blamed the they blame Africa. They were, oh yeah, it was Africans that did it. That. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
All right, man. Well, it's, you've, you've stayed over time. I don't want to keep you too right. long, but it's been great chatting. Yeah, man. It's always a pleasure. Um, remember, you got to feed the flag. You want to plug your channel and your Patreon and all that stuff? Yeah, uh, feed the flag. Just check out Black and Abroad in China. It's Most of these days, not about, like, it's not about identity politics because now I've seen the light. Like, so it's more about like what's going on in society in America, and the things that I'm talking with Nathan about. This is what I usually speak about on my channel. So if you're interested in things like that, then you check it out. Black and abroad in China, and uh, yeah, that's it. Peace. Cool. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching or listening.